When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at TeachHoops.com. For coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 226 of Coach Unplugged. Um, but before we get started, we want to do a big shout out to Dr. Dish, our sponsors for the two, for the rest of 2018. Uh, it is a shooting machine that you should look at as a coach, as a youth coach, as an AAU coach. It doesn't matter. Um, I can't tell you the number of hours that my son has spent on this. It is crazy. Um, it is durable. It will get you repetition. You, you know anything about muscle memory? It will help. Um, that 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 alone is worth the purchase. But then also the workouts, the technology, the kids can run it through their phones. It's crazy. So go over and check it out. Say say you heard about it on Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you three hundred dollars off. Can't think of a better way of using it. Um, go over and check that out. Also go over and check out TeachHoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Can't imagine a better place, a better. You know, mentoring, videos, audio, you know, community. I'm about an hour away from doing an office hour where we're talking about building foundations of a team, and then we're going to break some film down with a coach. So go over and check it out, um, and please subscribe and like. All right, let's get off to the podcast. You're going to love this one with Coach Huber. It's, it's awesome. Um, you're going to get a lot of good golden nuggets in this one. So here we go, off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Coach, I'm going to have you tell about your, your resume. Your resume is pretty long, so it's pretty good. So I'm going to have you tell about your basketball journey, um, kind of where you started, where you ended, and then we'll kind of dive into different pieces along the way. And hopefully Now you want me to tell about the fake resume I sent you or the true one? <laughs> I want the real one. Uh, it's a pretty good fake one. Hey, <laughs> hey so you, you know, like in coaching, so – um, when I got out of uh, college and I uh, played baseball and basketball in college, I had an itch that I wanted to coach. My dad was a coach. And so I went in and started my GA, and I was an assistant basketball coach at a NAIA school. 
And I did that for like three years. And uh, then I got an opportunity to be the head coach at the school at the age of 25. And it's amazing how they say you think you know what you know, <laughs> but you really don't know what you know. Right. Um, so it was uh, say that, great. Say that again, coach, because that's, that's, a, that's a truism. to. The but, but you know, I, you think you know what you know, but yeah. you really don't know what you know. Right. <laughs> you know and, and you get in it and you're like, Oh man, this, and I remember when I was, when I was assistant coach and the head coach, I would give him, I give him suggestions all the time. Right. Right. And he was uh, a coach that, you know, was coaching probably for like 20 something years at the time, had a lot of experience and, and, and he wouldn't like, you know, go with my suggestions most of the time. And he told me one time, he goes, Jim, don't get discouraged because I might listen to one of them out of right. your hundred suggestions. Right. You might help us win a game. Now you're 99, I might throw down the trash, but he goes, you got to understand, you're just like a couple inches away from this head coaching chair, right. but when you step into this head coaching chair, it's very different. Yeah, I always and, tell people uh, there's there's a big difference between one seat to the left. It is. You know, it's, it, it's crazy. It, it's, it's so you're just mine, it, it just changes. So I was a head coach there uh, for a couple of years, and then I got an opportunity to be an assistant at um, UMKC, which was a division one school in Kansas City. So I did that for a couple of years, and um, then I ended up uh, getting out. Uh, one of the individuals that was a player for us, UMKC, I worked out quite a bit, named Matt Suther. He wanted to start a program that was different, uh, kind of a spring-summer program that would develop kids because he was, he was looking at the transfer rates at the time and how bad it was, and this was like 14 years ago, and right. now it's gotten a lot worse. Right. So he wanted to start a program that developed kids in Kansas City, got them where they're ready to go to college, a college-based program. So we started an organization called MoCam Basketball, and we built that up and through years developed into a Nike program and um, had, it's had a lot of success. So I did that for, I don't know, I think like maybe eight to nine years, helped develop the youth side, the high school side, coaching some of the elite teams. And then from there, um, Breakthrough Basketball, I got connected. I ran a lot of uh, camps and clinics in Kansas City. I'm owned, and one of the owners of Breakthrough Basketball is in Kansas City. And ask if he had partner, if we could partner up running camps together. So I decided to do that. We test him out in Kansas City and we decided to take him nationwide. So over the last, I don't know, maybe it's uh, six to seven years or something, I've been kind of developing, developing coaches and camp curriculum and some of their, you know, DVD and training programs and stuff like that, what I've been doing. So, so explain the difference for the people. First of all, going from the collegiate level I, I, you know, to the, I, for people who don't know it, like it's, it's almost, did you play in the EYBL? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, so, so people don't, not everyone that listens to this knows all the, all the lingo and the things. It's yeah. basically going from a college coach to like an AAU summer developmental thing. Mm -hmm. tell, yeah. the, tell the difference between those two worlds. Cause they are different worlds. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, when, when you're at a, like, when you're at a small division one, like I, I call UMKC kind of a low major, right? Right. Low yeah. Major, right. Uh, when you're there, you're not getting the top 50, top 100 kids. Okay. Uh, and, and usually when we start out with MoCan, we weren't getting the top 100 kids. We, right. we were, we were getting some of the, the best kids in Kansas City that we could get. And we we're grinding it out and defense rebounding, playing right. together and have success. And we built up into the EYBL. And had a chance to qualify, we qualified and, and played in it. Now, when you get to that level, of course, you're dealing with, you know, some high level McDonald's all American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, what you're dealing with sometimes is not only sometimes the parents, but then they have maybe some individuals they call quote unquote handlers or people that are in their lives 
so you're working with them as well. So it's, it's there's a lot of dynamics with it um, that you're you know they're they're trying to find out what's best for their child and um, and and sometimes it can be challenging because some of these kids haven't been pushed or challenged before um, and so now you're trying to help them understand what it's going to take to play at this next level. Right. I, I remember I, I was coaching the Nike Global, uh, which is part of you know Nike in the spring summer and they they have you know kind of global challenge they had the West team and I remember. My first meeting I have with them, I got them all together and I said, hey, listen, I, I was going over how we're going to do, you know, how we're going to go about practices or, you know, kind of walkthroughs and just this team in general. And I had a couple of kids that were like, look, the phone's texting. I had like kids who weren't paying attention. And I was just like, I, I stared at it. I was like, are you kidding me? You, you right. got to be kidding me. Right. And I, I, I kind of went off on them a little bit. And there's a guy that's in the NBA right now that's playing that during one of the timeouts, I had to kind of set them straight and let them know, hey, this is how we do things. And we had a kid that was playing for us at the time that played at Michigan State named Tom Tom. And, you know, he was a great leader, but they went to him and they're like, man, your coach is like, God, he's kind of crazy, man. He's like demanding and he's challenging. And he's like, he is that way, but there's a purpose, there's a reason for it. And he's a really good guy, you know, off the floor. And not that he's not a good guy on the floor, but he expects excellence. He expects right. you to do certain things. They're going to allow you to succeed when you get to North Carolina, when you get to KU, yeah, yeah. when you get to Duke. Like I was telling these kids, I go, you think you're going to walk in and you're going to have Roy Williams is going to let you just show up 20 minutes late right? Uh, or have somebody knock on your door to try to get you down here on time? Right. You know, things like that. So I think sometimes, unfortunately, some of these kids aren't demanded and challenged at young ages and are allowed to do kind of what they want to do. Right. And it's changed. And it's changed, too. It's like – I just saw a video clip, no lie, like within the last week of, of KD shooting in warm-ups. I swear to God, he didn't miss a shot in warm-ups. Uh -huh. He was laser-focused. I mean, yeah. the problem is all these guys see what they saw last night on the NBA, you know, the, the, the Eastern Five. That's all they see. Yeah. They don't see all the stuff that, oh. you know, yeah. all the stuff that has gotten – you know, Steph Curry's probably shooting right now somewhere. You know, it's like well, – it's, it's like you mentioned, <laughs> so, like, working at the, you know, elite Nike, the top, you know, hunter camps and stuff. Right. yeah. And I remember seeing uh, Alan Stein do a video of Steph Curry and him being at a camp that, uh, that uh, Kobe Bryant was running. And he was talking about how he knew Steph Curry was going to be great because he was showing up 30 minutes early. He was staying 30 minutes late. And he was talking about how he did everything with precision and he made sure that if he didn't do it right, he did it again. And right. he's meticulous in his work. And he asked that question. He's like, are your habits on par with your dreams and goals for tomorrow? And if right. they're not, you got to change them. Yeah. I remember being at this camp and, and on the team that I had, there's two kids that end up, you know, are playing at a high level right now. But, um, you know, one of them is Luke Kennard. And like Luke Kennard, I, I swear this kid would like, he would listen to you and he'd take in coaching, but he would actually like he just repping things out and extra shots he got and during dead time and the things he was doing. And, and in my mind, I'm like, this kid is going to play at the next level. Right. Because of his work ethic. Now he's, he's, you know, has height and he's athletic and he's skilled, but he just works at it. Right. And you can see those type of kids. It's almost like, they, it's stuff. almost like the elite of the elite almost have, I don't want to, I'm married to a psychologist, but I'm just saying they almost have an OCD quality about yeah. them. That, because we were just talking before we came on about Wesley and I coach Wesley Matthews. And Wesley, I've, I've coached other athletes, I've coached mm -hmm. other great players. 
Wesley had something that was like he was just going to keep doing it. Yeah. He wasn't a great three-point shooter when he left me in high school. He worked on it. Like, mm -hmm. he's in the top ten in the NBA now consistently. Um, because he – I mean, it's just like they, they, get, they get so precise and they get – they almost get like to the point where they – I don't know if it's healthy, but it's like that's what – there's all these elite athletes. There's like – I tell – I'm a stats teacher. There's like a thousand of them. Well, what makes the top ten different than the thousand? Yeah. You could probably all throw them in a bucket, and they're all probably pretty similar. You know, LeBron's obviously different athletically, but a lot of them are very similar athletically. It's the ones that, you know, like you said, do the precision, do the work, do all that kind of yeah. stuff. Well, um, you go back like – so, you know you know Harrison Barnes, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so Harrison Barnes, when he was a ninth grader, um, he played for, at the time, uh, All-Iowa Attack, and – he was playing for them, and he was a about a six 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 seven, and he was a four or five man. But he right. wanted to be the number one player in the country. Right. And one of the coaches that was working with them said, "Harrison, to do that, you got to face up and shoot it. Right. And you got to shoot the three, and you got to shoot it consistently." And so what he did is he worked his whole ninth grade year, and he was going in at five five thirty in the morning, and he was just working on feather shooting, form shooting, one hand, right. you know, his offhand on it. And he was wrapping it out, and he was just, like, progressively working back. And the coach said he was there every freaking day. Right. And they, I think, lost in the state championship game or whatever, maybe his freshman year or whatever it was, and the coach said, we're going to take a week off, and we'll get back in the gym and lift. And he's there the next Monday, and he's calling the coach, going, where are you at? Where's everybody at? And he's like, Harrison, I told you, it's we're going to take a week off. He goes, you can't take any time off. You're going to win a championship, coach. we got to be in here. Right. And we took a guy named Simi Ojale, plays for the Boston Celtics up there, because he reminded us of him. Right. He talked to Harrison, and Harrison told him what he did. And then after that, like, Simi did the same things. He went right. to work this game every freaking day, and he's in the NBA. Right. So, I mean, but there were guys at that time that were as, like, when you looked at a Simi Ojale, that were as good as him, that right. people thought might accomplish more, but he kept at it. Right. And then, you know, through that work. It's that precision. It's, yeah. so, it's so that precision. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about, um, let's talk about yourself as a younger coach. What would you tell yourself as, you know, we've, we're all, we're older. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what would you tell yourself as a younger coach? Cause I have a lot of younger coaches listening. What Here's the biggest say? thing I got to say. I'm telling you this, if, if somebody could write this down, have it. You always want to understand it's never as good as it seems to be. And this is never as bad as it seems to be. It's somewhere in the middle. You can't let right. your highs be too high and you can't let your lows be too low. Because if you do that, you're going to be on all emotion and you're going to say things you don't want to say, but also you're going to be in tone. You're going to be almost like a manic depressant. Oh, it's crazy. Up and down. I, I, after, I, I, I lost my first, uh, we, we went to the state tournament nine straight years. We won three, whatever. Holy cow, I should be talking to you. I'm going to yeah. call you up and interview you, coach. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, so we, we like one of the longest winning, one of the consistently. That, so that's what I'm most yeah. proud of is that consistent. We, mm -hmm. you know, we have the state record for conference championships in a row. I'm more proud about that than, than all of the other stuff. But going back to the question is, is I remember another older coach who's won more state titles than me say, Steve, me losing, me losing and then winning the next year. He goes, and then I didn't win one for like three years. He goes, if you're only happy when you win it, you'll never be happy. Yeah. You got to worry about precision, about getting your boys better, about putting them in the opportunity to be able to win. Yes. If you do that, 
that's all you can do as a coach. Well, here's where you go like, back. That's to. where the high low thing you were talking yes. about. Like, yes. You can't get, I mean, I think I literally was depressed for years. Oh, and when I first started out, yeah. it's like they <laughs> used to say the uh, uh, George Allen, the NFL Hall of Fame coach, said, you know, winning reinstates life, losing takes life out of me. Right. And, and here's the thing I tell for young coaches one thing, a couple of things. One is this after games, when you're emotional, do not sit there and talk to the team. Right. No. I never talk to him after a loss. Don't I, do it. Oh, I never do it. I, I tell you what I, what I do anymore. Cause when I first started out when I was 25, I used to throw, throw dry race markers. I used to hit boards. I used to do stuff and go nuts. And then I would go home and I'd watch tape and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I was getting on Bob for doing that. And he wasn't even a part of that. Right. Saying that. And that didn't happen. So what I tend to do afterwards, I'll talk to kids and more about, you know, kind of settling us down and be like, okay, hey, maybe, okay, let's talk about a loss. It, it didn't work the way we wanted to, the outcome. How can we learn? What lesson can we learn from this? Because if you can learn life lessons through sports, you know, we're going to all get better. And right. then what I'll do is I'll tell them, hey, listen, you know, as we get away from here tonight, we'll come back tomorrow at this time or whatever. We'll watch film. Let's just digest. And, and then when I come back, then I'll have my notes, everything down and be able to go through things. And I won't be as emotional. Right. And I can talk to them. And now I'm not going to say things that I regret that you can't pull back. And sometimes yeah. you say things you think like you can apologize and get back. But sometimes these players, they hold on to them. Oh, they hold on to them. And, I, and I've told young coaches this too, especially at the end of the season. You know, um, Stevens was talking about last night about how it, it hurts. You know, it's the end. Yeah. It hurts. This was a special group he had. Mm -hmm. No thanks. Um, he, uh, I, after we lose a tough one or we lose at the end of the season, my post-game speech, no lie, is like 30 seconds. It used to be like an hour. It's yeah. Like, because they don't hear me. It's, no, it's, they don't. It's 30 years of teaching. They don't hear you. Mm -hmm. The next day, they'll hear you. Yes. The next day, they'll sit and go. They'll feel bad, and they'll go back. And then it's like, all right, let's digest. That's exactly what mm -hmm. a young coach – because we all think we can solve it there. You ain't solving anything. No. <laughs> That's where, you know, you think about like – you know, I know they talk about like your your wife's in psychology, but levels of awareness that we mm -hmm. increase in our life. And one of the lowest levels of awareness is animalistic. Yeah. And what are animals? They yeah. they they communicate with their sensory factors, what they see, hear, smell, taste, touch, right? Right. That's how they communicate. Yep. So it's fight or flight. Right. Right. But when you get outside of we have like mental faculties we can use so we can stop and think. Right. 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 We can think and act. Yeah. And I think we need to stop and think more. And I think too many coaches, too, when you're young, I know egos is part of it, but we feel like if we don't perform a certain way, if our kids aren't doing things a certain way, it's a reflection of us, we're less than, and yep. when the pressure gets to us, and then we act out on the kids, and we act out on officials, and that's the only thing with officials, like young coaches, anymore with officials, I'll get to talk to officials, because I think there's ways you can create relationship with officials, and I'll communicate with them, and a lot, a lot of times when I'm coaching, like spring, summer, I'll be like, hey, just heads up, I, I'm going to walk the sidelines a little bit. I, you know, I'm going to stay out of this area. If I get in your way, just let me know. You know, my wife says I need to have a dog collar, shot collar sometimes, right. settle me down. But I'm going to coach my kids and make them better. Um, you know, and, yep. and I'm not going to say much to you. I know you got a tough job to do. And if I do, I might you know, converse with you in a positive way. And you can win over officials by having good relationships with them and handling yourself better. And you're also a reflection of your players right. and how you handle yourself. They're going to model you. Yeah. And, what you do. and I think, I think as you get older, you find that too. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
They, 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 they uh, do they affect some games? Absolutely. And we've probably seen some in the NBA playoffs and stuff where they've affected it, but you know, how much, Here's a, let me ask you this. When you get this after games, I, I don't know how many people say like all oh, the officials, they screwed us. Oh, they homered us. Oh, it was a bad call. This and I'm sitting there looking, let me watch your film. What about this bad shot here? Right. What about this bad possession here and this turnover, lazy pass? What about this in defensive transition, not getting back and stopping the ball and letting have an uncontested layup? What about this possession right here? Like, you can go through and have so many different possessions that if you fix these, now it's an eight-point game. The official's not even involved in it at the end that right. you got to think that they, you know, gave you a bad bad call. Right. And I what I've done in my head, too, is for the especially for the high school coaches, is at some point in the – some for someone that's been pretty successful, at some point in the tournament trail, you're going to get a bad whistle. No, yeah. get, it's going to happen. Foul trouble. They're human. It's going to happen. You know, you look at the teams that have even won the NCAA. Something happens along the trail mm-hmm. – and they're gonna you're gonna win a, on a last second shot, or you're gonna do something. Yeah. Like, look at Michigan this year. You know they yeah. hit, they won that one in the Sweet Sixteen that on a last second. The shot. best one's like Lyle of Chicago. I yeah, mean, think about the run, the the right. last shots they hit. And... So so I always say this is our this is our pretest. Yeah. How are we gonna handle the bad calls when they come? You know, and we all Here, here's here's one quote I love is uh, there's a uh, head coach at Northwest Missouri State and they won a Division two national championship two years ago. Coach McCollum there, he has in his locker room, and this is one of his big, big quotes. He says, impose your will. And what he says is he focuses on, we're going to impose our will on the officials. We're going to impose our will on the opposing fans. We're going to impose our our will on whatever comes to us, whatever happens, you know, that we can't control. That's okay. We're going to impose our will upon it. It's not going to affect us in a negative way because we're going to control ourselves and what we're going to do. And his big thing is he focuses on and getting them to impose their will on everything they do. No complaining. We're going to figure it out. We're coming back stronger. And I love it when he says that because that's what he really tries to reinforce in his team. Well, and I think, I think yeah, and I, it, building culture is so important. It's something I've been really working on recently. Is, but mm-hmm. I, think, I think a lot of, especially high school coaching, is about building culture. I think oh, we've yeah. been successful. You know, there's people out there that know more X's and O's than me. Um, but I think I'm really good at reading a 17 or 16 to 18 year old boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can read yeah. their emotions. I can figure out what this kid needs, what that kid needs. Um, you know, Villanova is a prime example of that, you know, when that kid fell down and all everybody ran over oh. there to pick him up, it was crazy. I, I mean, I would love to play that over and over. I mean, if that's, you want, if you watch, yeah. like I clipped a bunch of their stuff for one of our camps, we show film and I swear like kids taking charges, Oh, yeah. Uh, falling down. It doesn't matter. They come over and pull each one of them. All four come up and pull them up. The bench is going crazy and nuts. I mean, yeah. they're all together. They're one. That, they're, they, are, they are a unit. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's crazy. Yes. Um, so, if you could – let's unpack something. So, could you think of one coaching moment that you could dive into so the coaches that are listening could learn from it? Something that happened to you or something that – yeah, I mean, there's – I could go through a couple, but – Okay. Okay, so you, you have, like, youth coaches, right, and people yep. like young yep. coaches? Yep. All right, so I went from college, and then I went to the high school. Right. Um, you know, kind of that. And then I started – I coached uh, – had a had a sixth-grade team, right? And um, so they were – and they're, I had a friend of mine asked me to coach them, so it was kind of neighborhood kids, right? And I got them together. We got them playing really hard guarding just playing together they overachieved and uh so we're playing in a state tournament right and we got all the way to the semifinals and one game we played championships so 
and like I said, we're like tough man-to-man defense. So we got into it, and we got a couple quick fouls called on us. And I was frustrated because yep. I thought they were touchy fouls, right? So I was sitting on this wood bench, right? And I <laughs> sat there, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, And I was like – so I was sitting there, and I was talking to the official, and I got up, and I was like, that, that is not a foul. What do you – and so anyway, he teed me up, right? Right. So I said, you need to sit down, not standing up. I said, I got you, okay. So I sat down and, again, kind of went, went going about the same way, a lot of touchy fouls. And all of a sudden, I just got frustrated, and I took my hand, and I went, and I went, boom, and I slammed down as hard as I can on, on the wood bench. And he turned around to me, and he teed me up. And I got up, and, Whoa, and he kicked me out. Now, I, I, I'm a – at that time, this was probably – maybe 10 years ago, maybe okay. eight, eight, nine yep. years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. So I'm um, 30, 37, what, I don't know, 36. Right. I'm telling you, that was a little moment. You're, you're an adult. You're teaching kids. I, you're, you're I, sixth graders. You're not in the NBA. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have kids. I'm a kid. I have kids carry notebooks. Okay. Right. They carry notebooks and we have word of the week stuff and we go through character, right. life skills, the stuff that's very important that I instill into them. And I act like an idiot. Right. Right. I get kicked out. So I got to watch it from outside, right? Outside the building. I got to be outside there. And then my team comes out with their family members. And I'm telling you, it's one of the lowest moments. I apologize to them. I said I was very sorry. It would never happen again. Um, I've gotten kicked out two times in my life. One was in college when they put a, down in a, a small town in Oklahoma, and they put this. We filed the one kid. They called timeout, and they put a different kid at the line. And uh, anyway, it was yeah, so yeah. But I, sh- I shouldn't have did what I did. But I got kicked out. But this one was the lowest moment. So after that, I told him I apologize. It never happened again, sincerely. And from that point on, I told myself I'm never going to sit there and get kicked out, get technicals. I'm going to handle myself the right way. I'm going to control myself, my emotions. And I'm going to be a reflection of these kids to see. And I'm going to understand what, how, what strategies I can do to get an official to maybe give us calls when we need calls instead of getting them upset at me. So that was a low point. And that was, like I said, that was more of the fight or flight, animalistic, being, right. being idiotic. Um, but it was a low point, but it was a wake-up time. You know, yeah. for me. And, I mean, you look at some of the great ones. Look at Jay Wright. Look at, look at, um, you know, look at all the great coaches in the world. You know, a lot of them stay relatively calm. You know, yeah. you, you yeah. know Coach K will let people have it. Don't get yes. us wrong, but you know, it's not it's not a nonstop. You know, because I think if you want your guys to stay that steady, Eddie, you, you have, have to be to like that. that. Yeah, do. And it's yeah. harder for the younger coaches. Trust me, we have all been there. We've all experienced it. Um, I, w- I would say for young coaches, as you said, I, I mean, I would highly recommend to get them get a mentor. Yes. Whether somebody has coached before, somebody's been around a while. There's a lot of successful coaches that if you're a young coach, you go to them and say, hey, Coach Scott, will you spend some time with me? I'd uh, love to be mentored by right. you. Uh, right. can you. Even a retired coach that can evaluate you coaching on the sideline and can be honest with you and say, hey, here's some things that maybe we, you need to think about and work on um, that you can't see. Yep. And people around you aren't going to be honest with you because they're afraid of maybe how you react to it. Um, I would strongly suggest you, that. And the thing is you have to be willing to grow to do that. You have to yeah. be willing to put yourself out. If you're going to become a better coach, you have to be willing to take that criticism. And early in my career, I had some great mentors. Mm-hmm. And I also had people 
I, I, I believe in self-scouting. I believe in people coming and watching me coach, watching me practice, watching me do all that. I always have people come in and do that and then tell me that aren't – because what happens is, like, I've had the same coaches for so long on our staff mm -hmm. that we just start thinking alike. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like – I don't want to say it's like a pack mentality, but it is. Like, we're not thinking outside of this box at all. We need other people to come in and push us a little yes. bit. And say, hey, maybe you're not doing this right, or hey, I, I, your substitutions there. Why, why were you doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, just to think outside that, because especially if you start coaching for a while and you kind of get in the groove, it's oh. like anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to get out of that. Um, can you tell me one time you lost on a last-second shot or something you do different down the stretch, like in a situational game? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had situations that, like one in particular was that, you know, I think when you, you get, again, a little bit older, you look at time and scoring situations, right? So we're playing – hold on, my, my, son, my son's in here, so – How old are hi, you, hi. bud? Hi. Hi, how Kaden? old are you? My name's Caden. Caden, how old are you, Caden? Say five. Are you five? I'm five, yeah. I'm, I'm five. Do you have a jump shot yeah. yet? You got a jump shot. He tries to work on it. He likes to swim. He likes to swim. Oh, he's a swimmer. Yeah. Oh, coach, we'll have to talk about swimming. Uh -huh. Yeah, been to swimming yeah. yet? Like, no, he hasn't. He just likes to jump, jump, uh, like jump in the pool. And if do that. A, if he becomes it. a swimmer, I'll tell you what a swim meet's like. You're oh. gonna watch your kid swim for 37 seconds. Oh my gosh! And, and then you're gonna sit there for eight hours. Yeah, yeah. All right, go, go to mom. Okay, go to mom, buddy. But now, when you talk about that, so. So the situations that I look at is like time and score more now. And so we were in a EYBL and we were in this, uh, I guess, you know, they call it the, well, they, they call it the uh, Peach Jam, which has a 24 teams in it. And we were playing um, Team Penny and we, we had a beat. And it was like, you know, they, they play the 30-second shot clock and we had it down to where it's like, um, I think we were up by, I think it was two with a minute 30 to go or something like that. Or maybe it's nowhere up by three, I think it was. And I ended up, uh, we had a, we had a transition break and had one of my guys going and it was going to be maybe contest, maybe it's going to be uncontested. And I just let him go and attack. And I was kind of plugging. I hope you're enjoying this much as, as much as I am at this point. Um, but before we keep going on with the podcast, take 30 seconds, hit pause, go down, subscribe, give it five stars, say, yes, I really like this podcast. I want you to keep doing it, Coach Collins. And then the second thing is I want you to type in www.teachhoopsoneword.com. Go over and check it out. Um, it's a great resource for coaches. Um, we got a community. we got a forum. We've got everything that you would want to take your coaching to the next level. Go over and check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. 14-day free trial. All right, let's get it's back. Kind of to I'm going to pull out, run something, get something, because it might have been close. And he went up, and it ricocheted off, and right. it bounced over the top for guys, and they got an easy breakaway layup on the other end. And all of a sudden, the momentum swung, yeah. and they ended up winning by, like, it was like one or two, and that was a game that made a difference of us making the lead eight. Uh, and then there was another time when, same thing, do you foul, do you not foul? We were up by three. And it was like eight seconds ago. We didn't foul. We switched on everything. They hit a three, went into OT, and beat us. And now anymore, I'm, I'm a big proponent on I foul. 
You know, yeah, I, I just, I, like, I, I've been, I've been coming around on fouling. I hated putting points in the basket, but it's the math teacher in me that's saying, if you foul, all these other variables have to happen exactly mm-hmm. right for them. Yeah. You no, know, they got to get the rebound or we have to miss this free throw. It's like, I, I, how many times have I seen someone come down and hit a throw? Well, it's like, yeah, just, and to me, it's like you said, okay, they got to foul us. We got to miss. Uh, if we miss, they got to come down, they got to convert or right. they, they got to foul us. And there's so many things that have to happen in the equation. So anymore, you know, kind of that, like time to score. The other thing is big for me too. I think coaches to understand is know the fouls, know what's going on because on the bench, like you might be late in the game, you might be down by say two or three or whatever. And all of a sudden you'll have three team fouls. And right. now you're saying you got to start fouling. And right. You're not aware of it. You foul and they're like, Oh, that's only four foul. And you're looking up going, Oh my God. Right. You know, so it's like, understanding that too as well i think because those are times where i look at the clock now in situations and know okay we gotta start doing this now we gotta like time out say what's what fouls what's going on i want people around me they're gonna let me know even if i'm at a youth and i'm by myself at a youth game i'm still at timeouts asking hey at the table what's this what's the situation right and i also think is as a as a young coach you gotta practice the situational yes you yes. have to coaches don't in majority if you pulled most coaches i'm telling you scott they don't work on it no and how many how many games come down to last second time and score situations where i don't know how many times i see teams come down and they're up by four and there's no shot clock and there's two minutes to go in a high school game and they're sitting there letting their kids just jack a bad shot right we, it's because you, you haven't talked about it we do a deal now to where like how many how many coaches too late in the games are like going like Hey, lap or foul, lap or foul. And what is the other team doing? They start right. scrambling around, they start running and jumping, they start turning you over, trying to foul you, get you, and you turn it over. What we do now is like we just call it a call. It might be like, hey, KU, KU, let's run, let's go, let's go, execute, execute. And the kids know we're getting a lap or a foul. You know, we're grinding it. It's time to bleed these guys. We're going to grind them out. We earn the right. So it's almost like a call that we give instead of letting them know what we're going right. to do. Um, and sometimes you'll take 45 seconds a minute off a clock and the team's like, oh, we're stalling. We're right. doing this. Hey, yeah. go foul, whatever. You yeah, know? yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's the takeaway from this is they got – you have to spend the time in practice on that. What yeah, you- and even, even if you have something where it's like, hey, today we're going to work on, okay, we're down by this uh, with, you know, 15 seconds to go and the ball's from here, whatever you're working on, whatever the scenario, just work on different things to get your kids prepared. And don't expect your kids out of a timeout. You never done it before, and you're trying to draw something up. It doesn't work, and then you're mad at your kids. Like, right. Oh, they didn't the, run it right. The, they didn't the, do whatever. It's the, like the draw up on the fly is an urban enough. legend. I'm no. telling you, it's an urban legend. If you think you, know, you, know, you only only draw up that worked. You know the one that worked is when Coach Collins was with Michael Jordan with Chicago, and he's trying to draw stuff up, and he couldn't right. figure out he wasn't getting Jordan the ball, and he walked out of the timeout and said, "Hey, dude, just get out of the way and give me the damn ball." You right. Got it. That's all you got to do. Just give me – I'll get open, give me the ball, and just get out of the way. There's a meme going around that's a, the, 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 what it, what was the Cavs uh, game plan for last night. It was basically give LeBron the ball. Oh, and yeah. hey, hey, by the way, <laughs> let's run ball screen to get a switch and get you in a good matchup that you want that they can't guard you. All right, okay. Um, so uh, what do you think is the biggest uh, change you've seen in the game in the last 15 years? I think one of the things that you see is a lot of the physicality. I mean, now they're – I mean, with defense, when we – growing up and uh, I taught at the beginning, it's like, you know, we're checking people, we're bodying, we're – you know, and, and you can't do it as much anymore. Now, I know right. in 
certain playoffs in college and the, you know, the March Madness, they tend to do it. But I see that more. The other thing I've seen a lot more is positionless. And that's where I'm telling you the game. I like it though. Right. And because, you know, they're allowing kids to space the floor, the spacing, uh, allowing people to, you know, face up, not just be back to the basket, open floor and attack. And I think with also too, when you talk about that with young coaches, I'm, I'm a big proponent and a believer when I talk to coaches is, I don't know how many times I see coaches go, well, I want to run the offense. I, this is like fifth grade. I, I got my one guard here and I got my two guard here. I go, would you quit doing that? Yeah. Listen, I, I got it. I got it. Like if I'm coaching you team, we're all one guards. Okay. We're all guard. We're all point guards. Yeah. That's we're all one guards. guards. So point. listen, you get a rebound. <laughs> Go. We're turning, we're pitching. You got a wing. We're run. we're running the wings. We've got an outlet. We're attacking. We're in a, we're interchangeable. I mean, I, I'm not having somebody, I hate it when kids come back and they're like begging for the basketball and you got one kid too. No, let him like, let these kids dribble, let them pass, let them play. Let them develop their skills because you do not know what a sixth grader is going to develop into when yep. he gets to the eighth, ninth grade. He might yep. be the biggest sixth grader right now, and he turns out to be a six foot one sixth grader, and now he's got a back to the basket post up game that's right. going nowhere. Going nowhere. And I'm telling you, I've seen it from someone that's coached for 30 years and someone that grew up this way. We, I bet everyone that's listening to this can, can go back and remember a friend they had in elementary school that was the tallest kid. That huh. was the most athletic yeah. kid. And then he stopped. Yes. Like, he had his early growth spurt. He matured early. And then his game stagnated. He's done. Here, here's the other thing. Here's the, but here's <laughs> the other thing. Okay, now think about this. You're a coach, and you've worked with post players before, right? Yep. Okay, so post, you're teaching a kid how to post up on the hash, creating angles, doing stuff. And there's automatics, right? There's drop steps. Yep. There's spins that they can make. But the bottom line is, okay, there's a drop step. Okay, they might back pivot and face the old Tim Duck and shot. Mm-hmm. It's not there. They might sweep and attack. Um, and then you got forward pivots, right? You can forward mm-hmm. pivot. You got crab dribble, which is a basic control dribble, hard dribble going into like a jump hook. Yep. And you got a drop step spin. You got things. But if you think about it, that same footwork that you're working on the post is no different on the perimeter. If yeah. I'm catching on the wing and I and I step over cut and I catch with, with one to, to two, I'm, I'm maybe a back pivot and face. They right. take it away, I sweep and attack. Maybe it's I'm coming off of a pin down screen, I'm forward pivoting into it, and now so they take away and I step through because step through is a part of the post. And maybe I catch it where somebody's on me on the wing and I drop step to attack to get them off of me to back pivot or drop step to attack the basket. It's all the same footwork. Right. So if There's you're working on the same footwork with these kids, whether it's 19 feet from the basket or whether it's five feet from the basket, work with footwork. Teach kids footwork. Teach kids principles how to play. And then you can always teach a kid how to temporary seal and how to right. make their moves and stuff right. in the post off of that. Yeah, and I can – and the thing is, that's what I, I – I can't teach them – you know, I can I can fix your shot in this period of time. Yes. I, you know, the, the, the basics, if you can't – if you don't know your letters, I can't teach you to read. <laughs> if you can't pivot, yeah. do some basic yes. things, you know, it doesn't matter when you come to me. You know, it's like I <laughs> – I, I love I, – co- but I, you know this. I love coaches that they just run some plays. Right, and I and I can I can scout them and get their plays down. I know exactly I want you to do that. Run. Yes. I do because I can get yeah. your calls. I know what you're going to run, and I know what I'm going to do to take that away from you. And when I when I take away what you want to do, and you have no counter to it, you don't know what to do. Your offense breaks down, and the kids take bad shots. Give me that. Yeah, give me that. Yeah. <laughs> give me that. That's like I, I I think it's tougher when you're playing teams that kids know how to play. They understand principles. They have skills and. 
that's that those are tough and they i want players i want oh, five yeah. players and yes. then i'll figure out where i can put them yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh all right so let's talk about let's talk about breakthrough basketball and stuff a little bit so tell me a little bit more about that i'm i'm a little naive on that well breakthrough basketball i mean it was started by a guy named jeff hafner and out of cedar rapids iowa and he was he was uh he took a basketball class at uh, Northern Iowa under Eldon Miller that was there. Kind of fell in love with the teaching, coaching process. He was into uh, – his dad was in – had a computer-type software business. He was in that, but just wanted to do something different. So he started getting into developing basketball materials to just help coaches and train them. So he kind of developed a site with a lot of training materials and it started getting traction. Then his brother jumped on board with it. So they did a lot of more training, DVDs, uh, you know, kind of video development. And then they, we started doing some camps and clinics in Kansas City with me and then Breakthrough. And then decided that we had success with it, of course, and then decided to take it nationwide. So we go out and we do uh, camps and clinics in the United States. We do them in Canada. Uh, I think we uh, doing one or two in Europe this year. But um, the biggest thing for us with our camps is, again, we want to we teach the basic fundamentals. We're not teaching, like, there's certain camps or certain places, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but certain ones are like, hey, you have to, like, you have to you, ha- you have to hop every time or you have That's to right. do this a certain way. And, and for me, when I have the, the kids at the camp, we develop curriculum for our coaches, I'm teaching kids how to do things a certain way. There's, there's different ways to do it. Right. And I'm going to show you how to do these different things. And then you got to figure out your high school coach, whatever your college coach, junior high coach, Whoever that is, what do they want? Right. You got to be great at it because you can't go back out of a camp and go, hey, this camp coach told me I need to do this. <laughs> right. Really? right. Uh, it's what your high school coach or what your coach wants. And so we develop our camps with a lot of – it's pretty much a curriculum is based on skill development, one-on-oh, one-on-one, small-sided games. Uh, we just don't want to roll the ball out and just let kids play. And then we do a lot of some of our camps, classroom sessions. We have notebooks. We go through life skills. We go through – just IQ of understanding how to play the game, um, showing clips of seeing pros, college people doing what we're talking about so they can see it while we're going out and doing it. So we have, uh, I think, about six, seven different type of camps that we do. Um, that's kind of a base of, uh, you know, breakthrough basketball. Okay. That sounds awesome. Um, and that's what, I mean, that's why I tell parents too, when you're picking a camp, make sure there's, there's the, there's a spectrum of kind of the camp you just yeah. described and the, and the babysitting camp. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> I like, refer to we, it as the babysitting camp. I've had people reach out and like, Hey, can I come and like speak at your camp or do it? And I said, right. Hey, this not so you're not good at right. it, but we kind of developed a curriculum where our coaches go in, they're trained and we have like, I mean, our, our, like, it's down to a second on the curriculum. It's like right. bang, bang, bang. We have a ton of stuff to get, you know, taught through that time. We don't have downtime. We don't right. have, like, oh, we're trying to, you know, play knockout for right. 30 minutes or right. we're trying to play five on five. When do I get to game. go swimming, Coach? Yeah, it's, no, that's, that's, that's not what we're doing. And I always tell, I always tell people that they – and this is this – is, I, I always say you should go – you should try to go if you're, if you're looking to go to a specific college. Um, or division two college or something, you should try to go to their camp. Um, so the coach yeah. can see you. Yeah, definitely. And, and you should try to definitely go to your high school for the, mm. especially oh. for the parents and listening. Try to go mm. there. If you're just putting in FaceTime with the coach, to be honest. Yeah. And then you add to that through these kind of camps. Oh, yes. There's yeah, some definitely. really good ones out there. Yeah. But yes. Um, that's what I always say is like and I and and I've had a bunch of kids go D three and I say, Well, if you really like that school, they'll have a camp in August. Go to the camp in August your junior year. 
so the coach can see you. Yes. You if he, I mean, you'll quickly find out if he wants Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Especially if they start, like, contacting you, reaching out to you. Right. Writing stuff, handwriting stuff to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. doing all that stuff. Um, Yeah, that's a whole different podcast about Yes. I mean, people don't understand recruiting. I mean, that's that's one of the things. It's like, oh, my gosh. No idea. No idea. That's a whole – that's a, that's a podcast on its own. Yeah. But it's like I always tell my boys – it's like if they're telling you something, they're telling 20 other guys the exact same thing. Yes. They got to line it up because if you don't come, they go to the next person in yeah. the line. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 you know, especially the D1 level, it is a billion dollar industry, guys. Don't, don't fool yeah. yourselves. <laughs> You're a commodity. And yeah. they need your commodity to keep their jobs and to fill the seats and to win games. So you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, just on recruiting, real quick, is how many kids get a typed up letter that has a uh, a printed uh, signature on it right. from the coach. And I try to tell these kids, like when I was at Division One, we would get a call from say you, a high school coach, and say, "Hey, listen, you got to check out this kid. He's really good." We put him in the database. And we right. just send information out to him. Not that we we're interested, but we had him in there in case he became something. So right. then we, he knew, like, hey, well, they were sending me something. Right. When you start getting handwritten letters, they start calling you. They start yeah. communicating that way with they you. They come seeing you in an open yes. gym. They come to your game. Yes. The, the, the head coach calls you, then you're legit. Yes. You know? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> even if the third assistant's calling you, it doesn't even mean you're in the top four that they're going to yeah. offer. It means they're sending well, you. You know, this, like, you. <laughs> we used to have boards that we'd have our listing yeah. of our kids rated out. Right. Like, for example, so it, real quick, I had this – kid named Ben Richardson, he played for Loyola Chicago, and he was in the Final Four this year. He played in the YBL, and he wasn't getting recruited by really anybody going into his senior year of high school. People didn't think he was a Division One player. But he ended up hitting like eight threes in the YBL game. He was a shooter for me, and he just – he was a really good player, and I knew he was really good. And so we had Richmond. We, they, they, they offered him, right? There was right. an assistant that, that, you know, I talked to. So they go down for an unofficial – right down there mm-hmm. and go through the whole thing. And all of a sudden they get done and, and they come back and um, the coach ends up like the head coach comes in and says, well, we need to probably see you in your open gym and, you know, kind of see you back at Blue Valley Northwest and this and that. And, they, and the dad and him called me and they're like, what? I don't understand that. They want to see me more. I thought they offered me. I was like, that doesn't make sense. So I talked to this and I go, come on, man. I go, you guys offered him, but they went down there, and now you're saying you got to see him some more. You already see him in the EYBL. You're going to see him right. in, a, in a high school gym, right. an open gym against players that aren't that good right. compared to him. I go, where, tell me this. Where is he at? Just tell me where is he at on your board. I go, where is he at? I've been through this before. I've been in college coaching. Right. Is he number three at that position or four, number two? What is he? And finally, I find out he's number three. But right. the other two guys haven't, haven't said no to him. Right. And I was fine. I had no problem with that. But just be open and honest. Right. The kids don't understand, even when you get an offer, it doesn't mean that's an offer. It means right. they offered and they're interested, you know, right. until you yeah. sign. Until, until you sign on the dotted line, read that contract. All right, we're going to do – real quick, we're going to do rapid fire, Coach. Got it. And then I'm going to tell everybody that we'll put all the contact stuff down in the show notes. So I know a lot of people drive and run and exercise when they listen to these things. So I'll put all the breakthrough basketball stuff, all your contact stuff down in the show notes. So if people need to find Sounds it. Sounds good. All right. All right. So this is what I call referred to as rapid fire. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You get one answer. Got um, it. All right. What is the favorite brand of basketball? Favorite brand of basketball. Jeez. Uh, what is that side? Fast, quick. 
Nope. Play court. Okay, so no, I, I, haven't figured out, I haven't figured out how to word this correctly. So brand of basketball, like Spalding, Evolution. Oh, favorite brand? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would say – well, I would say Nike in the past, Under Armour now, because we go with Under Armour with okay. basketball slacks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you got to go with your sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally get that. Yeah, yeah, All exactly. right. Um, one word to describe your ideal player. I would say leader. Okay. Um, if you go to one sporting event in the world, what would you go to? One sporting event, I would say I the, the, the Final Four. The final four for me. I love okay. going to it. Necessarily. Your favorite pregame meal? Um, uh, salmon with uh, roasted garlic potatoes and a salad. Oh my god, that's really yeah. that, that makes, I love sushi. with water sushi. with lemon. Su- sushi, right there. Sushi's, sushi's mine. Sushi's yeah. mine. I tell yeah. people sushi's my death row. Yeah. yeah, ice cream and sushi. That's my wife. Sushi. My wife loves that oh, sushi. Oh god, sushi. I need to get four more jobs to afford sushi. <laughs> I live in the middle of a just, just run more camps locally there. There yeah, you, you got to do something. Um, one thing you do to relax. Meditate. Okay. Best player you have seen in person. Probably in person. Oh, gosh, dang. Hmm. Yeah, you, uh, I would say in person – I mean, LeBron James. Best player of all time. Well, I would I would say Jordan. LeBron's LeBron's coming hard. He's not. He's, He's not. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm not sure he, when this is going up, but we all want, we're on the oh, NBA. Yeah. I, 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 He's, right now, so. <laughs> what he's done good. and what he's doing now, just at his age and playing as many games. And I know he spends like over a million on his health, but – I mean, he, he's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Um, what you, you seriously spends a million on his health? Yeah, especially. Did, did you see the recently? So, you know, he had, he has back problems, right? Okay. And he's had the problems like Larry Bird and and all. Actually, Steve Nash, where he had the disc problems. Yep. And so he's concerned that his career might be ending because right. he couldn't play like a full season, and they had to save him in that. So there was a Navy SEAL that actually fell out of a helicopter and hurt his back. And he couldn't find anybody to help him. Like, everything he was taking wasn't helping. So he went on a, like, a search to discover how he could take care of himself. So he developed these exercises, this routine, that he strengthened his back and he had no issues. So LeBron James heard about this guy, reached out to him. So he, he's, he hired him full time. And this guy travels around. And if you go on and you video YouTube, you'll see him. He can't go into certain areas like in the locker room and places, right. he's got to be like, he, he has to be like in the hallway. So you'll see LeBron and him working in the hallway and he'll have kind of like, you know, workout ball and different things. You're doing all these back balancing exercise and that. And so you think about it this year, he's played every game. I know it's all, crazy. all every game and the minutes he's played. And so like his back was, was an issue, but this guy, I mean, he hired him, and this guy's like definitely made a huge difference in this guy's life. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. If yeah. I find it, I'll put it down in the show. Yeah, it's really okay. cool. Um, one thing that helped you become a better coach? Uh, going through adversity. Okay, I just think like once you if you handle adversity in the right way, you look at it as a blessing and not a curse, and you look at it as something that you can grow and develop. And I'm telling you, young coaches, think about this. We tell kids all the time, make mistakes. 
right? Be open to make mistakes. It's okay, right? And yep. all I'm going to tell you is this, is don't look at losing a game. Don't look at not having a successful season. Don't look at it as failure. Look at it as learning. Yep. Look at it as growing. And look at it as getting better. Anybody that starts a business, I've run enough business books too. Anybody that starts a business, you know, Amazon, Amazon started selling books. You know, yes. you got you to be willing to pivot and you got to be willing to fail to eventually succeed. The well, what you say, yes. What you say on that, for me facing adversity, that caused me to look from within. That caused me to realize I didn't know as much as I think I did and realize that I need to learn more. And now, even at today, at, you know, 47, at my age, I can constantly just try to learn and grow. I know. Every day. I mean, people that are listening aren't going to see it, but I have a basically yeah. books and books. I see it. Me. It's, it's crazy. The problem is I'm getting old and they start reading these. I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so the problem Steve is, Finn. yes, audible, audible yeah. is a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. Cause now I can listen to them and exercise yes. and I don't fall asleep. Like yes. in my thirties, I could read these, but now I sit down for three minutes and start reading. I fall asleep. Um, one word to describe your coaching style. Um, tough, but loving. Yeah, you said one word though, right? Yeah, that's okay. One, one word. We, we had, hey, listen, I have a hard time with that. So let me say, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, let me say this meticulous. If you, if you, uh, if you go back and listen to the old ones, I had Rick Torbert on here and Rick's yeah. like awesome guy. And yeah. Talk for eight hours. Yeah. It was, these were really yeah. hard for him. Trust me. But I'd say, I'd say more probably meticulous. I'm very okay. meticulous in what I do. Best basketball coach of all time. All time. All time, ever. Well, I know John Wooden's going to get brought up in it. Um, so I, I would, I would probably say he was definitely one of them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think one of the better ones. And I got all time, all time you're going into. Yep. I think Brad Stevens is going to be no, there. No, Brad Stevens is one of the best today. Yeah, today. For um, sure. You know, I mean, I think Popovich will go into that. Um, you know, one of them that, that was, was great in itself was Rick Majerus. I mean, he yep. was unbelievable out of Wisconsin. Yep, and it's the thing is you don't necessarily – everyone, a lot of people go to the wooden thing. He's obviously the winningest. Yes. But I'm not sure, you know, sometimes – I think the Loyola coach did an unbelievable job. Here's what I go back to this. I always ask people, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I got one for you. If you can name me five coaches, five, that you could study under, that you knew after being mentored by them, that you go to a high school, a youth program, you go to a college that was a high profile or wherever, and you could get not maybe the highly talented kid, talented, the talented kids, but you knew you could get a group of kids, and you can get them to play hard, play together, and you could use their systems and strategies, and you could win. Give me five. Oh, geez, I would go with Brad. Brad Stevens would be on the top. I agree. Jay Wright would be on the top. Um, Coach K would be there. Wooden would be there. Um, God, I might even go old school with like Bobby Knight and stuff, and just <laughs> just ignore half of it. Yeah, and I think he would, you know. And then Coach Bennett from Wisconsin would be maybe on that list for me too, just because you know another riser. You're talking about uh, Coach Knight is Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Yeah, a friend of mine that coaches there, and he coached under Bobby Knight. But what's different a little bit about him, what Max tells me is, like, Chris Beard loves on his guys. Yep. Like you were talking about, you as a high school coach, you have that relationship, you create that relationship, and he creates that rapport. He's tough on them. 
Yeah, but he has great rapport. And, I, and, and the thing is, I, I, I'm a Bobby Knight defender. I think Bobby Knight grew up in a different era, and I think Bobby Knight did love his boys. I just think how he showed his love is not social. Yeah, I, I got a, I got a, I got a guy that's a friend of mine that that's with breakthrough, and he played for Bobby Knight in Indiana. And like you said, I mean, it's it, w- it was challenging, and there was benefits to it. But I think he could have showed probably more love yes. in a certain way. I don't think he acted it out in a way that some of the guys felt like that he really loved. Him. Right. I think, yeah, it was it was a, definitely a military run. Um, yeah. One book you would recommend? One book I would recommend. Um, As a Man Thinketh. Okay, who writes that? Who does that? As a Man Thinketh was written by, uh, gosh dang it, uh, I got it. Uh, no, that's all right. No worries. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Amazon's a wonderful thing. I'll look it up. It's, uh, I think Franco, Dr. Franco, I think okay. it is. As a man give, me a, give me a 30-second uh, summary of it. It, go, it goes back to, like, talking about, like, as you think, you become. And it's the idea that, you know, your, your mind determines what your body does. And the mind is such a key you know, within your life of living, like being empowered and not allowing, you know, other people to dictate what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. You control some of that within yourself. And another, another one I'll tell you what is also too, yep. um, is psycho cybernetics. I don't know if anyone's, but Dr. Moltz, and that, that's goes into self image, self esteem. Say, say the name again, psycho, psycho cybernetics. And you never okay. outperform like your self-image, your self-esteem. And people have like an image that reflects through the mirror. Right. But they got a true image of themselves from within of how they see themselves. Okay. Sometimes Those are awesome. I, I'm looking. I, done. Those are going to be an audible before the day's out probably. I, I always ask people cause, selfishly because I want, I want new stuff to grow too. All I think right. that as a man, as a man thinketh, I'm sorry, it was uh, James Allen was that one. James That's Allen? The other one I was thinking of was uh, – uh, gosh dang it. And I'll put these in the show notes for people listening too. So when you get home, a man, a man, the other one is a man search for meaning, a man search for meaning. And that's Dr. Frankel. That's, he was a, he was in a uh, Nazi concentration camp and talks about how he didn't allow those like being abused physically and emotionally to affect what he thought. Um, and just talks about, you know, how people can use that as a life lesson for themselves. Okay. Last, last question. What, what's one thing you would tell a young coach that's listening in parting? I just think if I'm a young coach, first of all, figure out your purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing? I mean, come like, why, yeah. what's your purpose? Yeah. It's not, it's not just come about up with your mission statement. Yes. Yeah. Mission statement of why are you doing what you're doing? And then from there, like I think on any coaches, what's your philosophies? Like come up with your core philosophies. Like what, what am I going to do offensively, defensively? What am I going to do? And then I, I think you got you to come up with your philosophies from your mission. But the biggest thing I'm telling young coaches, and I've learned this, I probably wasn't as, as good as when I started, and I worked to get better at that, is like you're talking about relationships, be a transformational coach. Like how can you use a sport – to transform these athletes you're working with, become better men and women. Right. And also to know that you care and to support them through their struggles, right, to get them to achieve their successes when they get there to be with them through it. And I think it's so key to do it. But again, like, why are you, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like this, if I ask you real quick for let's go, why do you do what you do? 
I do it to make a difference in the world, to make difference in young man's lives. The same reason I've taught for 30 years. I definitely haven't done it to become rock Rockefeller. You know, I haven't gone yeah. to become wealthy. I've done it to make differences in kids' lives. That's the whole sole reason, you know, and then. And, that, and that's been your, that's been your compass to navigate your choices. Everything. Do, right? everything. It's the reason I haven't left. It's, I mean, I, I applied for, I, I, I'm at the point where I'm looking for maybe a change. Uh, I've, I applied for my first D3 job. You know, my kids are getting older. I'm looking yeah. for maybe a change in my life, but it's not because I don't love what I'm doing. It's just mm -hmm. maybe I can make a difference in a different, a different venue. Um, but that, yeah, that, that's why I do it. It's, it's, I love this game. The game has given me so much and teaching has given me so much that, you know, that's, that's part of the reason I do this podcast. It's fun. I, it, it helps me. Well, you do a podcast. You got that voice, man. You yeah. motivate me. Uh, yeah, you motivate I, me. Let's go. What do we got to do, coach? Uh, Let's get this I, thing I, going. I should have been a fire teacher for sure. Thank you, coach. Yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate it. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was a great, lot of golden nuggets in there. Um, down below, please subscribe and like. Also, we put some free resources. Go over and check out our, our YouTube channel at Teach Hoops. I think you'll love that. Also, go over and check our subscription service. I think you'll love that, too, um, at teachhoops.com. So have a great week. Try to stay warm, especially if you're in the northern part of the United States. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.